0: I'm so glad to be here celebrating with you today. If you're new to the mission or if you're just new to church in general, you may be wondering like man like what is a celebration all about? Like man, like why are they partying so hard right now? Like um <laughs> well, the short answer is that we are celebrating the fact that Jesus Christ, the son of God lived a sinless life but died on the cross a sinner's death. For us, in our place, so that we may be in relationship with God the Father again. And not only did he die, oh, that's not the end of the story, right? On the third day, he rose out of that tomb alive. He rose to life, right? And because Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice and paid our debt. Once and for all, we no longer have to be separated from God. We are celebrating the completion of the beautiful exchange today. And although this is worth celebrating every day, we set aside Easter Sunday every year to take our celebration over the top. You know what I'm saying? Because we, because when they opened that tomb, right? And Jesus wasn't there. That moment changed everything. It changed everything that came after it, right? We all have these moments in life, right? Where where these moments that they change everything. And everything after these moments is different because of them. Whether it's that you finally got that dream job, right? Or... Or you found out you had cancer. These moments come around every once in a while. And when they do, they literally affect everything that we know and change how we can move forward. Sometimes these moments are good and full of joy. And sometimes these moments are intensely painful. And I can think of a lot of these moments in my life, right? One moment that jumps immediately to mind is my wedding day, right, seeing, like, here I am in my monkey suit, I haven't worn one since, <laughs> so here I am in my monkey suit, right, and um, and I'm standing up there, right, just, just waiting, anticipating, right, and then all of a sudden, there's music in the air, right, and the back doors of the church, they fling open, right, And and there's this woman standing there, this beautiful woman, dressed in white like an angel. She's totally embarrassed right now. She's right over there in third row. Dressed in white like an angel, and she's slowly walking down the aisle towards me, right? Like, everything in life after that moment was better. Right. Was different. Right. These moments aren't always better. But that moment for me, my life was better after that moment. You know what I'm saying? Because I didn't even have a microwave. So when I was a bachelor, so um, (laughs) everything in my life was different. After that moment, another moment that changed everything, another day that I can think of that my life just flipped on its head was was the day uh, was the birth of my sons. And I have two boys. Um, my oldest one is named Dylan. He's nine years old, which makes me officially old. And um, and my youngest one is Owen, and he's six. And the first time I held my son Dylan, I don't think I had ever felt such a mix of emotions. In my entire life, I was like over the moon excited, right? And yet unbelievably terrified because this thing was like super loud and and it seemed like pretty fragile, you know? Like like if you dropped it, it was gonna be bad, you know? So uh, all I knew for sure was that I loved this thing more. This very, I loved this very loud bundle of joy more than anything I could imagine, and all I wanted to do was protect it. And just when I thought all of my love was spoken for, okay. Owen came along, right? And he just wrapped me around his finger from the day he was born, right? And and don't let Kim kid you, he, she's, she, he's got her wrapped as well, so... Um, These are the moments for me, these are just some of uh, many, many, many moments. Some of them good, some of them bad, but these are moments that changed everything in my life. And everything in my life after them was different. Whether it's the day you graduated, you know, from high school or college or medical school, or the moment you found out that you actually have to pay credit card money back. (laughs) Right? Like... You know that saying, right? That saying that there are just some things you can't unsee, right? Well, there's a certain enlightenment that takes place in those moments that that change our reality forever. One of of these moments, they happen for all of mankind, way back in the Garden of Eden. You're like, oh, he's going all the way back there, huh? Yep, we're going there. Genesis, if you don't know, is the first book of the Bible and it contains the story of creation. The story in which God the Father created light, the heavens, and the earth, day and night, water, sky, and land. It's the story of how God created every living creature that swims in the sea, flies in the sky, and walks on the land. It's the story of of how God Himself, the Father of creation, took the dust of the earth, right? The dust, and formed it into His own likeness, right? And then, once the dust sort of kind of somewhat looked like a self-portrait, He breathed the breath of life into us. Maybe you didn't know when you walked in here, but hear it now, you were created in the image of God. And He breathed the breath of life into you. And He wants to be in relationship with you. Adam and Eve were the first two human beings on the earth. And they had a relationship with God so intimate that the Bible says that they were naked and unashamed and it wasn't like a weird nude beach kind of naked it was like they just it was just like they they didn't know anything else right they didn't know and so they were naked and unashamed and, and for a few moments all was right with the world things were just as god had intended them to be but then something happened it was a moment that changed everything. See, God gave Adam the run of the place, right? In Genesis 2, 15 through 17, 15, it says, The Lord took the man and put him in the garden to work it and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For the day that you eat, it, you shall surely die. So Adam and eventually Eve too had the whole garden to themselves, right? And God just says, "Don't eat from this one tree." Right? You can have everything else. Just don't eat from this one tree. And it's like you had one job, right? You, you guys had you guys just had one job, right? Um, no. And a uh, while later in Genesis, in chapter three, comes the tempter, right? And True to His name, He tempts Adam and Eve into doing the only thing they weren't supposed to do by deliberately misquoting God. and Followed by a statement that causes Adam and Eve to question why God wouldn't want them to eat from this specific tree. And the tempter caused doubt of God's motives to creep into their hearts. And so they ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and their eyes were opened, and shame of what they had done came over them. They, they kind of frantically sewed coverings out of fig leaves to cover their naked bodies, and, and and when they heard the sound of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, imagine having a relationship with God so intimate that you heard Him walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Like, I want that. They had it. So when they heard him walking in the cool of the day, they hid. They hid in shame. That day, the Lord had to separate Himself from mankind. God sacrificed some animals and used them to cover their skin, uh, and used their skins to truly cover the couple's nakedness. And Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden because of their sin against God. This is what church people refer to as the fall. And from that moment on, everything, everything was different. That was the moment that changed everything. God created us to be in relationship with Him. And the fall caused a divide of our own making. This was the moment that the beautiful exchange became necessary. That moment launched God's plan for redemption of uh, for the redemption of mankind into action and his plan was Jesus thousands and thousands of years later after the fall a very unusual event occurred an angel appeared to a woman named Mary and maybe you've heard this story before the angel told her, even though she was a virgin, she would give birth to a son and his name would be called Jesus. And she did. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was born and walked the earth a man. And the Lord just didn't send him from heaven for fun. From the day of his earthly life, from the day that his earthly life began, Jesus had a purpose. See, to those See, during those thousands and thousands of years between the fall and the birth of Jesus, mankind had to sacrifice things to be in right standings with God. All kinds of different animals were offered up for the forgiveness of sins, almost as though God used them to, the, used the animals to cover over our sins, and as He did Adam and Eve with their nakedness. But God wasn't satisfied with the way things were. It was never what He intended in the first place. And He desired to be in relationship with us. And He desired to be in relationship with us as it was in the garden. So He sent His Son, Jesus. That was always Jesus' purpose on earth, was to be the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. With the death of Jesus on the cross, our sins would be paid in full. And man's intimacy with God could be restored. As Professor Ricardo Cordero taught us last week, Jesus was what scholars refer to as a substitutionary sacrifice. Meaning that Jesus was the substitute for us. Because of our sin, we deserved death, but Jesus took our sin upon Himself and carried it to the cross. Ricardo used this analogy of two pieces of paper, one with sharpie just marked all over it, representing our sin. And he used another paper that was spotless, pure, As white as white could be, this paper represented Jesus. Ricardo showed us how Jesus took our marked up paper and made it His own, put His name on it. And gave us His white paper to make our own. I think this is an amazing analogy, even though it's simple, it's just some pieces of paper and a a marker, but I feel like this is an amazing representation of what Christ did for us. Because it shows that our sin just didn't disappear. God didn't just erase it. There was a cost involved. And Jesus paid the cost for good. But that's not where the story ends, right? Because we're on Easter Sunday, right? So there's more to the story. Not by a long shot is the story over. So that's just the first half of the beautiful exchange. After Jesus committed His Spirit to the Father's hands and died on the cross, Jesus' disciples and followers felt like all hope, had been lost. This was not the Hollywood ending that they had imagined. You know what I'm saying? And they, they took Jesus' body off the cross and placed it in the tomb that was sealed with a giant stone. And for two days, His lifeless body sat dead. But on the third day... Ha <laughs> ha but, on the third day let 's read it let let 's read about it so uh, would you turn with me, please, to John chapter twenty, starting at verse one it 'll be up here on the screen if you don 't have your Bible with you that 's totally fine um, but let 's go ahead and turn to John chapter twenty. There are different accounts of what actually happened on the day of resurrection, but between the four Gospels, we get a pretty solid picture of what took place. I love. Some of the details in the account of John. So that's where we're going to go today. And that's, that's the account we're going to focus on today. So John chapter 20 verse 1. Now on the first day of the week. Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early. While it was still dark. And saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter. And the other disciple the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid Him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going towards the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first and stooped to look in. He saw the linen cloth lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following Him, and he went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloth lying there, and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the Scripture that He must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back home. Okay, so, um, so let's set the scene. You have Mary Magdalene and some of the other Gospels tell us that there are some other women with her. And uh, they were all close to Jesus. And they came to the tomb early to finish the, the burial preparations of Jesus' body. These preparations had to be put on hold um, and, fin- and, and done this day because of the Sabbath. And um, so they came early in the morning, and when it was still dark, they see the stone that had been moved away from the entrance of the tomb, and this would have been a huge stone, right? So they knew it wasn't a coincidence. They ran back to tell the, the disciples that someone had taken Jesus' body away. Resurrection wasn't even on their minds at this point. They just assumed someone had stolen the body, right? And, and Peter and the other disciple who's unnamed but believed to be John ran to the tomb. Peter went in and what do they see? They don't see evidence of death. They don't see evidence of theft. They see evidence of life. They notice that the burial cloths Jesus was wrapped in were laying there in the tomb. Thieves surely wouldn't take the time to unwrap a two-day-old dead body before stealing it, right? Like, Then they noticed the face cloth that was over Jesus' head. It was folded up off by itself. Thieves definitely wouldn't take time to fold up the face cloth and lay it down neatly. I mean, I can't even get my kids to fold up their socks and put them away. like, And they're not thieves, right? So like thieves are not going to do that, right? So, that, like, to the disciples, like, this is like not adding up. Like, what is going on here? And then all of a sudden, it dawns on them, right? You only need grave clothes if you're dead. And if it wasn't theft, then I just see, like, their eyes lighting up, right? You know, like, Oh man and all of a sudden they believed verse 8 and 10 uh, 8 through 10 are such subtle verses but they're crucial to our understanding the disciples reaction they say this that then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in he saw and believed for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead then the disciples went back home. Verse 9 goes as far to say that they didn't even understand the Scriptures yet. Which proves that they couldn't have made up the story just to fit what the prophecies had predicted, right? They, they couldn't have made it up because they didn't know that it had to happen this way. The disciples slowly put the pieces together. That wait. Jesus' body wasn't stolen he's alive so they leave the tomb and went back home and and on their walk home i imagine there was a lot of dudes in the conversation like you know like dude dude i know right but dude you know like that that's just how i imagine that walk home going to be but they left the tomb And went home because there was nothing left for them there. The grave clothes had been shed. The stone was rolled away because there was no need for them anymore. Those things were for dead men. And Jesus was alive. This was a moment that changed everything. And everything after it was different because of this moment. The disciples came back expecting death or theft. And they found evidence of life. Amen. If we go a little further in the book of John, the story continues. The disciples had left the tomb, and Mary Magdalene came to the tomb, and it was still unclear to her what had happened. We, we pick up the story back up in John chapter 20, verse 10. Then the disciples went back. To their homes. But Mary Magdalene wept outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look down into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid Him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not know it was Him. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing Him to be the gardener, she said to Him, Sir, if you have carried Him away, Tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go To my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And he has said these things to her. See, I love this section of the scripture. I just I I love it because it's just so vivid, right? Like it just paints such an amazing picture. And like, you couldn't make this stuff up. It just, it, it, it's so real. You, you have Mary at the entrance to the tomb just weeping. Thinking that someone has stolen her Savior's body. Peter and the other disciples obviously left in a hurry. And they didn't cross paths with her because she had no clue what they believed had happened. And so there she is, alone weeping she goes to look in the tomb and is surprised by two angels in white sitting in the tomb she explains to them why she's crying and before they even answer her she notices someone behind her she turns around and through her tears sees this person she just it's just barely morning at first glance she doesn't recognize this person The person speaks in verse 15, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. She assumes this person must be the gardener. And I'm not sure why, because I'm pretty sure they didn't have those wicker sun hats back then. (laughs) But the person speaks again, right? Just one word. Mary. And that's all it took. Mary Magdalene whips her head around and cries, Teacher! I love that moment. It's so intimate. Jesus just said her name. And by that she recognizes who He was. And this intimate moment changed everything for Mary. See, that was God's plan all along, to restore the relationship He had with mankind in the Garden of Eden. No division, and without the resurrection of Jesus, that would have been impossible. Even as Jesus is hanging on the cross, right? He's driving people back to a place of intimacy with God as he spoke to the thief who was on the other cross near him and the thief began to repent right jesus said to him in luke 23 verse 43 truly i say to you today you will be with me in paradise and the greek word that they actually use for the word paradise in this passage i'm not going to say it cuz i don't want to spit on anybody but they use the the word that they use in The Greek word that they use for paradise in this passage is the same word that they use for the Garden of Eden. Even on the cross, Jesus is telling people that He is the only way to have intimacy with God like we were created for. Of all the important life-altering moments we experience... The participation of the beautiful exchange is the single greatest moment of our individual and collective lives. When Jesus resurrected, He completed the exchange, restoring things to the way they were before our worst moment. Paradise. Communion with God. The story of the Bible is a love story. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life in paradise with Him forever. So today, as the worship team comes back up, today, I... I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what baggage you brought in here today. I don't know what your life is like. I don't know what pain or triumphs you're experiencing right now. But I do know that if you don't know Jesus today, He wants to know you. He wants to be in relationship with you. He wants to call you by your name as He did Mary because you were on His heart when He went to the cross. He rose from the dead so that you might believe, ask forgiveness for your sins and receive an eternal entrance to communion with God. I want us all to stand up, and if Paul, if you could drop the lights down, just please. I want to do this just like we did last week, and and we don't do this every week, but I really felt this strongly on my heart that it would be an injustice not to give this opportunity this morning on Easter morning. So I want everybody in the room, whether you're a believer or not, just to pray this prayer out loud together with me. It's just a simple prayer. And I want you to repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, Jesus, I know I am a sinner. sinner. and And I ask for Your forgiveness. I believe You died for my sins. And rose, from the dead. and rose from the dead. I trust and follow You as my Lord and Savior. Guide my life and help me to do Your will. Help me to do your will. In, your name. In Your name, Amen. And with every head bowed and eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, we just want to celebrate with you. If you prayed that prayer for the first time and just and meant it, would you just slip your hand up and down? It doesn't have to be a big deal or anything. We just want to know. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. 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 Maybe... Maybe you're already a believer, but you felt distant from God. And the intimacy you once knew with Him has faded. Maybe sin has taken hold of your life, or maybe you just simply haven't made it a priority to cultivate a relationship with Him. I want everyone in the room to pray this rededication prayer to the Lord with me now. and Just repeat after me. Merciful God, God, I have sinned in what I have thought thought. and what I have said. In the wrong I have done. In the good I have not done. I have sinned in ignorance. I have sinned in weakness. I have sinned through my own deliberate fault. I am, truly sorry. I am truly sorry. I repent and turn to You now. To you now. Forgive, me. Forgive me. And through the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus renew, my renew my life to the glory of Your name. Of your name. In, Jesus name. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Amen with just every head bowed and eyes closed. If you needed to pray that prayer of rededication today, would you just slip your hand up? I can't. I see it. I, yes. Yes. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. Father, we love You. We celebrate that You are not dead, Father. You are alive. Jesus, thank You for taking our... Sin to the cross, Lord. Thank you for beginning that beautiful exchange, Lord. Father, Lord Jesus, as you came to life, Lord, thank you for completing the beautiful exchange. Father, we may have intimacy with you now, Lord. There if we choose, Lord. You won't force us, Lord. But if we choose You, if we choose Jesus, there will not be a divide between us, Lord. We thank You for that, God. We thank You for that. Father, thank You for what You're doing in this church, Lord. Thank You for what You're doing right now in the churches across our city, Lord. Thank You for what You're doing in the churches across our nation right now, Lord. Father, we need a movement as a nation right now. We need a movement of your Holy Spirit. We need you to intercede, Lord, in in our sinful ways, God. Father, guide us. Help us. Help this little church with such a big heart, Lord. Figure out how you want us to serve this city and see heaven expanded, Lord. And as the ushers come forward now, Lord, we just bring back to you what is already yours. Lord, you gave it to us, Lord, all of our all of our possessions, Lord, all of our money, Lord, all of our giftings, God, you gave it to us, Lord, and we give we give it back to you so have what is already yours and we give to you not out of obligation but we give to you from the depths of our heart because you gave, Lord you gave your only son which was more valuable than anything we could ever give you we love you, Father thank you for this time in Jesus' precious name we pray and everybody said, Amen